and welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I am your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C, coming to you from Long Island, New York. And we haven't done one of these in a while. I know I've been doing a lot of solo episodes, but we're back with Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Shawnee on the mic, who's west of me in Laurelton, Queens. Sean, how you making out, buddy? Will, 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 what's going on, my bro? What's going on, my bro? Definitely glad to be back. A lot to talk about, bro. A lot to talk about. A lot's been happening, really in all four major sports. But um, glad to be back, man. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. The main question is, and you know what? Before we start talking, let's talk about you for a second, because I haven't seen you in such the longest time. I think the people that have been listeners and followers of this podcast want to know how you're doing. I think the last time we spoke on a personal level, You've been losing a lot of weight. You've been getting yourself back into shape. And you you got a job now. So I'm happy for you. I'm really proud for you. And, you know, you're, you're really making it for yourself. So tell the people how you're doing right now. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, bro. Definitely, man. Um, weight loss is still going down, man. It's still, um, um, it's still going down. So I gained muscle weight because I've gotten bigger. So, um, so I need to revert back to cutting the body fat because now I have a mixture of muscle and body fat. So I look muscular, but I still got some fat, you know what I'm saying? So I need to get back to the fat, to the, to the, um, to the weight loss and the burning of the fat. But that's going well, bro. I definitely, um, definitely appreciate that. Um, bro, the job's going well, man. Uh, the job's going well. I'm um, definitely, you know, well, actually, what well, I'm glad you asked me that. I have a quick 15 second rant. Ready, set, go. Well, the people, the people that created the blueprint for LaGuardia, right? The airport had eight years to come up and create, you know, a, 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 a grand master plan for the second an airport in the city of New York. And Will, I've had it. The blueprint, the design, not the people like you and you know some of my other friends that actually work there and lay down the actual clay and concrete and streets and everything. Appreciate you guys. You guys did a wonderful job. I'm talking about the design of it, Will. Will LaGuardia Airport is still a hot mess. And that's a compliment. Well, I'm, I'm going to make it quick because this is a sports show. To get to my time clock, to get to the employee break room, I have to go through in, I have to go through security screening, obviously, yes. Well, after that, I have to go through baggage claim, take an elevator to the fourth floor, and then walk one way when passengers are coming the other way, going to their gates and their flights. And we'll have to go down not one escalator, two escalators, and still walk a breezeway. Well, just to get to my time clock. How in God's name is there not an employee section when there's several in airlines there? How is there not an employee section? And then, Will, for the passengers, for the customers, will they get off a plane? They have to go up two sets of escalators, walk the breezeway that I just said, and then, Will, to get their bags, you know what they have to do? They have to exit the fourth floor and walk or go down two escalators. That is so stupid. 
and well, it's worse than stupid, but I don't like using that word. It starts with the R. I don't like using it, but it's borderline that word because it's so it it's so dumb. Well, people get lost. They're frustrated. They miss their flights because they go to the wrong gate and they go the wrong way. The signs are in the wrong place. I know that was not a 15 second rant, but well, it was an utter fail with the design of it. Not the people like you that actually did the did the you know what I'm saying hard work and the work that counts the streets and the buildings, you know what I'm saying, the lights, the fixtures. You guys did a wonderful job, as well as my other friends. But well, the design of the Guardia is hideous. And that's a compliment, friend. I mean, listen, I work there. I know the whole deal. I've been there. I've flown out of there. And did I mention I worked there? Yeah. Place is a shithole. And it'll always shit be a hole. shithole. Shithole. Thank uh, you. So either way you look at it, yeah, it's nice. It, it was better than the old one. And the old one was. I'll give, I'll, I'll say that. I'm happy and proud to have been a part of working there. But you're right, 100%. Working at that airport just is, it's just an absolute, just seeing, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it is a nightmare. And just having to travel through it too, you got to go loop-de-loop circle. The only good thing about it is just getting out of there. It's much easier now. It's easier. Driving out of there than it has been over the course of the past eight years. So with that being said, let's talk about the team that plays closest to LaGuardia Airport. Let's talk about the New York Mets. Sean's Mets. And look, bottom line right now, they're in first place, albeit they're in a weak division. They finished off a sweep of the Phillies and the Nationals. And then they wound up playing up against the Dodgers this weekend. I believe they lost, what, maybe their first two out of three at that point. And they found a way to win their game on Sunday. Now, Sean, I have to ask you this, since you're the resident Mets fan here. We keep on hearing about this team being special. We hear about Buck Showalter. I think Buck Showalter has done an awesome job, an awesome, awesome, awesome job going out and making his team be prepared to play at this point in time. What has been your biggest takeaway of the 2022 New York Mets thus far? Well, my biggest takeaway is that the effort is the same every single night in, night out, day in, uh, day out. These guys play hard. These guys play hard. And it's night and day in the effort that they give. Like, not to say that under um, uh, Rojas that it, that they didn't play hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, like they did. And then, obviously, under uh, Terry Collins, yada, 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 da, da, da. But under Buck, well, you could see he demands excellence and he demands you play the game the right way. And, well... It's crazy how easy the game gets when you just play it the right way. When you hustle, when you work hard, when you work smart, when you play smart, the game just comes in easy. And will you see it in some of these scores like 10 zip and nine, four, and then, and all these scores will, because well, I still think the Mets are a piece away in the rotation and with the bat. I still think that they need to make a couple moves if they want to get to that tier. But with the team that they have now, well, for them to be in first place, like you said, the East is what we thought it was. The Phillies who fired Georgia, uh, Rarty, which kind of surprised me. You thought they would be better than what they were. The Braves, you know, maybe they're having a World Series uh, hangover so far, so a lot of season level. 
but well um it's that's the first thing i see like guys are playing hard guys are playing playing smart and the injuries that we had Scherzer's is probably out another another month the grom hasn't pitched at all well the ace of this staff is carrasco you can make a case he's the ace but um the chris uh passage trade he's pitched well um taiwan uh, walker he was hurt he's come back he he's pitched okay uh peterson he's pitched an okay tyler mcgill he's also hurt but well he started opening day and he's been he's pitched very very well so i mean it is awesome to see um and like you said the schedule has been weak but to go out to the west coast we lost the first two games it's two zip and six one to win on saturday and to win yesterday to get out of la with the four game split well i'll take that because that tells me all right like we could compete with these guys maybe we can't beat them in seven games but we could compete with these guys pending any move that that we do or don't make so well i'm excited as a mets fan hope we continue this streak and well it's like but and you know every mets fans feel like this we're waiting for the other shoe to drop because it always drops. It, 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 well, it just never fails. <laughs> so it's like, we're just waiting for like the cliff and the nosedive. So I don't know if we're still going on the cliff and we're meant to go higher or have we peaked in the nosedive it's coming. I'm not going to think those thoughts just yet, bro, but on June 6th, I'm a very happy Mets fan, pal. Well, the Mets tonight, they go up against the San Diego Padres. We are recording this episode on Monday, June the 6th. So pretty good day right there. A beautiful day, by the way, today, and hopefully for the rest of the week. But the Mets, they're in beautiful San Diego as part of their West Coast trip. And they play the Padres for three games. Then they got to go back to Los Angeles, to Anaheim, to play the Angels right down I-5. And then they come home. They have the Monday off the 13th next week. Then they play a series up against the Brewers and then up against the Marlins. So the Brewers have been absolutely great. They look like their form again from 2018 when they made it all the way to the NLCS and gave the eventual National League champion Dodgers a run for their money. But that was four years ago at that point in time. I think this team has learned a lot uh, from there as far as both the Mets and the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. But let's not count our eggs yet. It's not let them uh, hatch as let's just see how this team goes because it's still early where, you know, you want to see this team do well, but like you said, Sean, one shoe, you know, the the other shoe is going to fall off eventually. And right now they've been absolutely playing well. And that's all you need to know. And this, this manager right now, Buck, in my opinion, like you can forget about, Pete Alonzo for a second, right? Forget about the the pieces that are on the roster right now. If this was anybody else, if this was, uh, you know, Rojas again, being the manager, I think this team would be fluttering at 500 right now, no doubt. But having said that, Buck Showalter is that guy, and he's definitely a guy that likes to lead by example, a guy that reminds me more of like a Joe Madden style of manager. So, he is, he is what he is, and that's all he is. So if you're a Met fan, you have lots to cheer about. And right now, before we go on to our next topic here, 
Sean, who's been your most underappreciated bet thus far this year? That doesn't get the name recognition, that unsung hero. Well, that's a great question because they've had a lot of, you know, obviously guys like Lindor, big name, Peter Alonso, big name, Jeff McNeil, big name. But, well, I think I just uh, mentioned him. Um, you know, I think Chris uh, Bassett, you know what I'm saying? We acquired him via the trade. Okay, the Grom goes down. Okay, we still got uh, Scherzer. Boom, Scherzer uh, goes down. It's like, all right, well, who do we have? McGill goes down. Okay, great. Well, who do we have? And, well, he's pitched well. I know, he, I think he gave up, a, I think it was the, I think it was the Giants game. I think, I think he got hit pretty, pretty hard. But well, outside of that, maybe like one other start, he's pitched very well for us. And, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't know much about him when he was with in Oakland, but he's come over here and he's pitched very, very well. And well, if he could continue to pitch how he um, uh, uh, pitches will come playoff time, Buck has a, you know, a hard decision to make on who's going to pitch game three. Because I assume DeGrom and Scherzer, Scherzer DeGrom are going to be one and two, obviously. Who's going to be game three? Is it Carrasco? Is it Bassett? Is it Peterson? Is it McGill? Is it Carrasco? We we just don't know. But Chris Bassett, for lack of a better term, he's kind of been the ace <laughs> of the staff because he's pitched pretty, pretty well. I think he's six and three or it's like five and two. One of those. But, well, I would say him. I would say him because when he starts, we need to win because the depth, because of the guys that's hurt, the depth under him outside of Carrasco isn't great. So when he pitches, we have to win. And for the most part, when he's pitched, we've won. So I would say him. Well, let's see what happens thus for the next couple of weeks and going into the trade deadline, because with the Mets right now, we know that they're playing great. We know that the NL East is, is what it is right now, but still way too early to count those, those chicks. So having said that, let's hold our horses here. Speaking of a team that, you know, has been absolutely playing great across the river. The New York Yankees, they have the best record in all of baseball. They are 39 and 15 with a run differential of plus 102. I don't think I've seen this in a long time from this team. Their pitching staff, let's talk about their pitching staff first. They have five guys right now that are throwing under, in their starting rotation, under three and a half, giving up three and a half runs per game. Unbelievable. Yeah, Nestor Cortez leading the way, surprisingly, where, you know, with the funky delivery, with the way how he is, he's got the stuff, he's got the goods to go out there and do it. Uh, Garrett Cole, the half of, you know, the, the world's richest pitcher right now in the game, uh, going out there and pitching, you know, he's pitching like all the other guys right now, but Nestor Cortez is doing his thing. And you've seen guys like Jordan Montgomery, Luis Severino coming back from injury, uh, playing absolutely well. The bullpen is a little bit iffy to me right now, but, you know, I'd like to see the starters go a little bit more, but that's really on Aaron Boone and how he manages his rotation, you know, unlike Buck uh, for the Mets. And when you look at this team right now, they're rolling on all cylinders, right? Aaron Judge turned down a seven-year, $210 million deal. He's betting on himself. He's putting all of his chips into the table to gain more money at the end of the day, I think personally he leaves, but that's a different story for a different day. Uh, we'll see what happens there come October. I don't think he's going to resign during the season. And he's just been 
absolutely killing it. And this Yankee team right now is through their last 10 games, eight and two, eight and two in their last 10 games. So having said that, they've been playing great. However, they've been going up against some lesser competition. Now, I've said that on Twitter. And having said that, I've had a lot of Yankee fans come at me, say, well, well, you know, this team is special. What are you talking about? They're going out there and they're winning games that they haven't won like they did back in 19 and 20 and 21. Time out. Let's pump our brakes, okay? 2019, that team was hurt throughout the first 30, 40, 50 games during that span. They got guys back healthy. They won the division, and they made their run into the postseason. Astros stole it again in 2019, right? You can say the same thing about 2017. You can say the same thing about 2018. A myriad of injuries. Oh, this team's special, but they still lost. The bottom line is this team year in and year out for the past five years has had the same, almost the same characters on this team and the same skipper at this point. So you add in a couple of pieces like Matt Carpenter. You add in an Anthony Rizzo last year to this year. Um, You know, you get rid of Gary Sanchez for for defensive catcher. Kid's been playing good. And uh, Isaiah kind of Falafa been playing really good too, almost in a sense where everybody was ripping that deal. But then, hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to get to know the player and you got to get to know who he is at that point. So is this team special? They're playing great. They are playing absolutely great. With a team like that, you're supposed to be winning games all the time. However, let's pump the brakes on special until we get to see this team play in October because we got to, we have seen the same pomp and circumstance over and over again. This team's not going to be drilling fastballs, hitting fastballs. They're going to be getting off-speed stuff down and away, and you know that those hitters are going to be chasing after those nasty pitches against whoever they face. So hopefully this isn't a first round exit again. Hopefully, you know, they've learned their mistakes, but enough about that. Enough about my rant, Sean, what has been your takeaway thus far on the 2022 New York Yankees? Well, so I can see why people feel like they're special because, you know, like granted similar to the Mets, the schedule has not been, you know, up to snuff. Well, as we would say, they haven't played the best team. They played the Orioles and Tigers and Kansas City, blah, blah, blah. But, well, what I will say is they're a good team, and I'll tell you why, Will. When you play team you're supposed to beat, you're supposed to beat them, and that's what they're doing. The Yankees before, Will, in the past, they would lose to the team they were supposed to beat, Baltimore, for example. So now they're pummeling you know, the Orioles and the Tigers and KC and yada, yada. The Angels came in. Now I, know, now, I know the Angels started great, and then now they're in a tailspin. I think they've lost like 11 or 12 straight or something like that. Um, but when And when the Yankees have played teams that either are good or, quote, unquote, were supposed to be good, the Yankees have handled their business there, Will. So I think they're a good team. I think they're moving towards being a great team, Will. I agree with you. Um, I don't think they're special. You know, like 38 and 15 is great, but there's nothing special about that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but well, what what I will say is this, is, uh, is this though, and you mentioned Aaron Judge turning down, you know, 210 mil. Well, if I had an MVP vote, 
MVP vote. Aaron Judge is getting that vote right now. Aaron Judge is hitting the red laces off the ball when it leaves the park. He is mashing right now. And to me, it's part, you know, this is who he is. Part, he knows he's in a contract here, for lack of a, a better term, Will. And, well, it just sucks because, well, I well, actually want to ask you this, Will. Um, I know you cannot uh, stand him, but Mike Greenberg <laughs> on ESPN <laughs> said if Joe, oh, my God, I was about to say if Joe Judge, if Aaron Judge hits, gets 63 home runs, will he be considered the home run king? Because Barry Bonds got to 70, and no, that was because of steroids, yada, yada, yada. And we'll forget the question about would he be the home run king. It just occurred to me that Aaron Judge is on pace for exactly 63 home runs. That is amazing. That is crazy. So to me, you know what I'm saying? Like him I don't put I don't put much. I'm sorry to cut you off, Sean. I'm gonna yeah, say like this. I don't put much stock into these first half performances. We've seen guys go out there and have these great first halves, and then they've cooled off in the second half of the season ginormously. Okay. And I've I can only I can't even name the names, but I know that usually when players start off hot like this, I'll give you a great example. Example, Richard Hidalgo, I think, back in, what was it, with the Astros, right? Great, great example right there. Guy was tearing the cover off the ball, I believe, with the Astros, if I'm not mistaken. And then once yeah, he, he was, he was, yep. Yeah, once he, once, once the second half of the season came, it just, you know, he, he fell down. He fell down. You know, and he wasn't the same player. Now it could be injuries. It could be you know the wear and tear of the season. We'll see. The guy Aaron Judge to speed back up the track here. He's 31 years old. Okay, am I gonna expect you know him to put up these numbers the way how he is? Granted, many Yankee fans on social media and all over the place, including myself, think that he's a top 10 player. I think he's a top five player in the league. But I don't. I cannot picture this guy putting up numbers like this during the dog days of July and August, and going into September and having to play, you know, 150 plus games that he has to go out there and play. And like and like we talked about, we talked about the competition that the Yankees have played. I think that's played a big part in what they went up against uh, thus far this year. So having said that. Um, you know, you look at it and you say to yourself, you want to see Aaron Judge as a Yankee fan. You want to see him continue to play well. But realistically speaking, I don't personally see him hitting 63 home runs. Mike Greenberg, he's he's saying stuff to keep his job at this point in time. You know, trying to go out there and make a hot take and say, you know what, this guy, he it's just creating storylines and it's creating more tweets for him and more clicks for him. That's the bottom line right there with Mike, with Mike Greenberg. But having said that now, you know, is there a huge possibility for him to do it? I mean, the guy hit 52 home runs in his rookie year. Is it a possibility? Absolutely. Could he be the new home run king? We don't know. And I don't like playing the what if game. I don't. That's why Bill Simmons writes his books, the book of basketball, all that stuff where he's got the huge what if stuff. And it, I'm sure he'll make a baseball one soon, one day too, or whoever, whoever wants to be like Bill Simmons. But the bottom line is, 
bottom line is it's a long season. Let's see how Aaron Judge performs. If he gets the 40 homes and this team gets that first round, you know, that first round bye where they're not playing a wild card team, you know, all good. And also hit the off-speed stuff, guys. You know, attack those fastballs down the plate. Be aggressive in October. Don't be passive at the plate. That's just me. You know, because I've watched this same storyline over and over and over again where teams will pump off-speed stuff and guys like Aaron Judge, guys like John Carl, even though he was hot in October the past two years, you know, they just basically they just basically don't show up at that point. So I, I, I think well, I think they're gonna be fine. I think they're gonna be fine. Boston isn't what Boston we thought they were gonna be. Toronto is the I think they're they've been disappointing so far, but you know, again, it's only June 6th. They've got all July and August and September and the stretch run. So, you know, they could, they got plenty of time to turn it around there. But, but well, I think the Yankees are, are going to be fine. But well, like you said, this franchise has never been one to clap with at regular season wins. 20, what, 27 championships, 26, whatever. This, it's, it's, it's October. This franchise has been okay. What did you do in Bro, nobody remembers what Reggie Jackson did in June. We remember what Reggie Jackson did in October. Well, there nobody remembers what Derek Jeter did in May. We remember what he did in October. You know what I'm saying when you put on the pinstripes, it's winners get remembered. Winners get remembered, bud. That's right. It. Very that's simple. Winners right. get remembered during during clutch time. So that's what. Derek Jeter and Reggie Jackson have done over the course of their career, you know, whether or not you like to admit it or not, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and those guys. Anthony Rizzo won a championship in, yeah, in yeah. October for the Cubs, and he's forever remembered in Chicago, right? Right. It's, and what a resigning that was, Will, because remember they were like, oh, Matt and Olsen and Matt Olsen, and Rizzo is the perfect piece for that team. And, and that's why you don't go after superstars. You get guys that are good role players that fit on your team. And you do that, folks, okay? Getting an all-star at every position does not guarantee you a World Series. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't even guarantee you getting to the big dance. That's so true. you got to go out there. You got to get the right players in place. You got to get guys that are leaders instead of, you know, ooh, stats, 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 this, this, and that. No, that's not the way how teams are built, okay? You want to be a Twitter GM? Go ahead, go. That doesn't – you want to be a GM on MLB The Show or – on NBA 2K or Madden or NHL, go for it. That's, right. you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to win you anything. Right. Um, yeah. Wins you an imaginary, imaginary thing. Real, a real, real quick, a quick one. Uh, what do you think of Miguel Andujar requesting a trade after being uh, sent down? What's your, what's your spin on that? Um, I think he deserves playing time somewhere else. You know, he's not getting it here. You know, you look at the team, you look at where where he is right now i think it's a perfect example of he's a talented hitter no doubt about it i feel and he's a guy that could be versatile he could play in the outfield he could play at third base if he you know if he fixed his you know defense up a little bit but ultimately he does deserve some playing time and a guy like that should not be stashed on the bench like clint frazier was back 
last year back a couple of years ago because you're misusing him almost in that sense. So, you know, I, I hate I'm wearing the Islander stuff right now. It's almost like Barry with the young kids, you know, how he didn't play the young kids for the veterans. It's literally the same thing uh, at this point in time. So kudos for Andrew Hart for saying something, for trying to, uh, you know, go out there and make a name for himself. And, hey, it's his life. It's his career. You got to take it by the balls and get out and make sure you do something with it. Because if you believe in yourself and you go out there and you know that you could be out there each and every single day making a difference and being a leader, then you go out there and you do what you got to do. And sometimes the, the big fish outgrows the pond in that sense. But, you know, what is McGill and Duhar done here outside of 2018? You know? Right, right. That's up the yeah. half of it too, you know, outside of that season, he hasn't done much. And, you know, he's been outplayed by guys that um, uh, came up, Gio Urshela being who's, who, who will I'm still mad that Gio Oshella isn't on this team and I'm and I'm not even a friggin' uh, Yankees uh, Yankee fan but right. either. so I mean I, I mean I think he deserves playing time someplace else but we'll see if the Yankees grant him that trade rule yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens indeed uh with that moving from speaking of a New York team that's been playing pretty well and I mentioned hockey I'm wearing an Islander uh shirt right now uh let's talk about that other New York team that's Playing well, the New York Rangers, they're in the Stanley Cup conference finals right now for the East, and they're going up against the two-time Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning, and the series is 2-1 right now. For those that have been living under a rock, Igor Shostakovich is absolutely unbelievable. I'll admit that as, a, as an Islander fan, top, he's definitely top three goalie right now in the league for sure, and he'll probably win Vesna, but his team, his teammates right now played absolutely fantastic yesterday, getting two power play goals, giving them a two nothing lead down in Tampa. It looked as if the Rangers were going to go up three games to none and put a stranglehold on the series. But hold on, folks, in that second period, Nikita Kucherov scores a power play goal, make it two to one. Then Steven Stamkos comes back on a power play, makes it two two. And then Andre Palat makes it 3-2 on a sweet feed from Nikita Kucherov. And the guy can play well. He's done it before, both Kucherov and Pilat. They found ways to go out there and win this game. And that game yesterday reminded me a lot of game two of the Eastern Conference Finals back in 2020, where you had the, the Islanders coming back. They got absolutely... They got their asses handed to them in game one after traveling all the way from Toronto to Edmonton. And they, they fought their way back in game two. And then what happened? Ten seconds left in that period, in that game, they scored the eventual game-winning goal. And that's what Palat did. And that's what this team can do. They can go out there and steal a game. And now going into game four, where the Rangers could have had a 3 nothing series lead, or even, you know, some sort of confidence going into game four. In my opinion, this, this can change the whole series around at this point with the veteran leadership that the Tampa Bay Lightning have over the Rangers. But again, it's game four. Igor's been hot. 
And this team has been hot as well. So I wouldn't put it past them if they win game four, the Rangers do, and they go back to the garden where they haven't lost a game prior to game one of the Pittsburgh series. So it's been absolutely great uh, to watch as far as watching some competitive hockey. It's not fun for me because I got a roof for, for Tampa Bay. I don't want to root for Tampa Bay, but at that same point in time, I don't want to root for the Rangers. So that's, excuse me, that's the conundrum that I'm in right now. So it is what it is there, but I'm trying to be as fair as possible. Both teams have played absolutely well. Let's see what happens tomorrow night. Sean, what's been your biggest takeaway of the Rangers-Lightning series thus far? Well, the Rangers have earned it, man. You know, they were down to Pittsburgh three uh, three games to one, and they stormed back and they won three straight. And then they were down to the Canes two zip. And then, you know, they came back and then in game, and then in a series where neither team had won on the road, here they go and they blitzed them in game seven and they won on the road. And then they get out to the two zip lead. And well, when they, the two zip series lead, that when they went up two zip uh, yesterday, I was like, well, I can't believe Tampa Bay is probably going to get swept. And then the heart of a champion for Stamkos and Kucherov, well, for those players, the, you know, heart and guts of that team to come through and to show up and say, no, this is going to be a long series. It's it's not going to be over in four or over in five. I mean, it still could be over in five, but it won't be over in four. Um, and, and, and I mean, that was definitely uh, good to see. But, well, the Rangers have earned it. They've earned it. And, I mean, listen, I'm not like I'm an Islander fan, Will, but you're an Islander fan. Like you are a fanatic, and so am I. But you're next uh, level. Like I need to get where you're at, Will, in terms of the fandom uh, for this team. So you got to do what you got to do. No, you can't can't match anybody. No, no, true. That's true. That's true. Can't match anybody. You got to be your own fan in your own way. So but, having said that, as far as far as the fandom goes, like I, you know. I don't want to make this about me right now, but I'm going to have to just say this because over the past five years, this has morphed into something that's been absolutely unbelievable where I know we're talking about Rangers lightning, but just from the fandom perspective, you know, I never pictured this five years ago where I'd be going to every game where I would be, you know, just having these matching set of pants with, friends that I never would have thought that I would be friends with at this point in time. And I love them to death. I love my group to death. And, you know, come hell or high water, I will do, you know, I want to do a lot of things for these people. You know, I love them. I love them to death. And I hope they feel the same way about me, but regardless or not, you know, you got to go out there and just make it your own. You know, you got to make your own opportunities, you know, for anybody listening in there. You can't just compare people. Oh, I got to be like this guy. Oh, you know, fandom, I, I want to be like, no, you make your own path. You set it and that's it. You look at guys like Bathtub Jake. Bathtub Jake's the fucking man. Okay. He set his own, he set his own course by having the Pellet Posse. You know, there's this Pajot Posse. There's all these types of policies. You got the blue and orange army. You got Isles Fanatics army. You have drive for five. You have the older group for the drive for five. And you got the young kids, David Lazar running drive for five at that point. They, you got to make your own niche in that sense. So, you know, with that said, I, I've never felt so much luckier 
and so much more fortunate as to be a part of a fan base like this. But that's just me. Nah, bro, and, and that's a, and that's dope, man. That's that's a, a seriously dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I've always watched hockey, but you know what I'm saying? Like, moving to Queens, that's when I really took a liking to the you know Islanders, and you know what I'm saying. And so, you know, that's how I became a fan um, of the team. Because well, because well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front. The Ranger game would be on. The Islander would be be the game would be on. I wouldn't even watch the um, Islander game when I first started watching it because you know like one one they were bad <laughs> they were bad but number two the rangers weren't good then like they were better but they weren't good but they were just on tv more you know what i'm saying like they had the primetime games the islanders just simply uh did not but i mean yeah like i've become a fan and so a huge fan so well it hurts me too to see tampa bay and the freaking um rangers like why like why like why couldn't it be the Panthers and the Penguins, you know what I'm saying? Like two teams are like, all right, fine, whatever. But um, well, this is why I've I've been dying to have this conversation with you because well, Shoot. we've talked about and I know it's Rangers and Lightning, but I'm gonna add a little Islanders to it. So just okay. uh follow me here. Go for it. But we've talked about Islanders needing sniper, 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 mm-hmm. top five guy, da 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 go. Goal a sniper scores, yada yada yada. Okay. Well, if you look at the playoffs, each team that has been successful now, I know the Islanders the past couple of years did very, very well. Mm-hmm. But well, I believe, especially this postseason, the most talented teams are the teams that are left. And well, I never thought the Lightning were the better team. I just felt the Lightning had more talent. And when you win a championship, well, look at the Rams, well, not to compare football to hockey. But well, well, pound for pound, you can make a case since he was a better team than the Rams. Rams had more talent. The Rams have Aaron Donald. The Bengals don't, Will. It's as simple as that, okay? It's as simple as that, okay? Players win championships. Obviously, teams win championships, but you have to have great players on those teams, Will. And Will, as an Islander fan, it's frustrating to see players that we could have got via trade or free agency on other teams that's still playing now. It's frustrating to see certain draft picks that we traded away or certain draft or certain players that we could have drafted that we didn't, that's making an impact still, or that made an impact in the uh, a playoffs role. But well, and me and you had a disagreement on this, and I'm not saying that I was right, but well, I was like, you know what? Well, you know who the Islanders need to put the gold in the back of the net? A Vander Kane. And you said, absolutely not. Well, guess who leads the friggin' in, in, in Oilers in a playoff goals? Well, a Vander Kane. And yes, off the ice, he's terrible. He had the whole rape accusation, domestic violence. That's bad. If that's true, he, he should not be on the ice. But, well, the point I was saying is that's who the Islanders need. The Islanders need scoring. The Islanders need someone that if I need a goal, well, the Edmonton and Oilers don't need to depend on Connor McDavid because you have Evander Kane and Drysdale. I probably nice said him wrong. Thank you, Will. And all these guys, and they could depend on those guys, Will. Right. Well, this is what I really wanted to, to make a long story short. In terms of pure talent, right? If you take Matt Barzell and put him on the uh, Rangers, 
where in line does he fall? Is he the best player on that team? Is he the second best player, third best player, fifth best um, a player? If he was a free agent and he signed with them right now, don't do this. In to terms me. of the best player Please on that team, where he? Don't do this to me. Well, well let's not. Let's I'm not, gonna let's do not it. play this game. Well, I'm going to do it because it proves my point. If Barzell goes to the Rangers, he's not the best player uh, on that team. He's not the second best player on that team, and he's probably not the third best player. Granted, I know centers, forwards, defensemen, I get it, I get it, I get it. The goalies, I get it, I understand. But I'm just talking about from a pure talent standpoint, Will. He's probably not even top three, top four on that team. And, Will, I'm telling you, you watch the games more than me, so you have better insight. You're actually there. Will, I swear to you, I think the Islanders' only issue is talent, bro. I swear to you. I swear to you. We have the grit. We have the guts. Well, we had the coach. That's a story for another day. We had the coach. We have the fans, the structure, and everything's in place. Well, but well, I feel compared to the Penguins, the Bruins, the Rangers, even teams that's playing now, well, I think the Islanders have a talent deficit. And until we make that deficit up, well, I don't think we're going to win anytime soon. You're probably going to disagree. I actually want you to, but well, this is how I feel, bro. No, I, I hear you on that one, 100%. And, you know, when you, you're right, when you look at the talent on this team, they're in their thirties right now. You know, you look at the top goal scorers, Brock Nelson, second line centerman, 31 years old, right? Andrews Lee was a 40 plus goal scorer and was been a 30-plus goal scorer the past couple of years prior uh, to this season, he's he's at, like, age 31 uh, at that point in time, too. Anthony Beauvillier was supposed to get himself in first-round draft pick. You know, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him this year. You know, COVID, new building, 13-game road trip to start the year. Um, You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what's going on uh, with this team. All I know is that, you know, when you look at everything right now, what I will tell you is the fact that hopefully the young kids start coming up and playing, right? And the main thing is with this team is the fact, I, I mentioned the 30-year-old guys, there are no, there's no like tw under 25-year-old player that came through on this team. So having said that, you know, they need Oliver Wallstrom to step up next year. If Kiefer Bellows stays on this team, or even if Oliver Wallstrom stays on this team, they need to step up in the worst way possible. Yeah. You know, so having said that, there's no, and, jo, and guys like Joshua Hosang, right? I, I know Islander fans don't want to hear that. Joshua Hosang really messed himself up right. uh, with the chances that he had. But you could say the same thing with the coach being here and not wanting to play a younger guy that basically didn't fit the mold. Understand that. Michael Dow Cole, the same thing, but he was a bigger body almost in that sense. Top five pick could be on this team right now, but he's not. And that's the thing. But that's the thing, though, like as far as the talent perspective goes, where – some of the blame should go on the scouting staff as well, because while the league got younger and faster and while 
we've seen guys that were at the time when John Tavares left 28, 29 years old. Now flash forward five years later. Now they're 31, 32 years old. And they're one of the, the league's oldest teams on paper. Um, it, it just goes to show you, man, that this team right now needs to figure out who's going to be on Barcel's right wing or left wing. And with all the cap space that they have coming up after trading away uh, Andrew Ladd, and, you know, releasing Leo Komarov and trading away Johnny Boychuk's contract as well. So having said that, um, I don't know. I really don't know what to say at this point because I don't know what the next move is going to be. Everybody on social media, the armchair GMs that they are, are saying trade away Josh Bailey and Semyon Varlamov and Anthony Beauvillier, and let's get a top six forward. Let's get a guy that's an elite player that can play right next to Barzell. You're going to have to give up something in order to go out there and acquire that elite player, whether it be a younger asset in Wallstrom, Bellows, or even in Aturatu uh, at that point in time, who I don't want to see get moved. Because at that point, you know, I don't know what J.G. Paggio is going to be in the next couple of years after him signing that deal back in 2020 where he signed a five-year deal. See, same thing about Sezikis, you know, and what's going to happen with Nelson going in. So having said all that, I don't know. I don't know what, 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 what's going to happen this offseason. What I do see them needing outside of the, the – uh, that top six, you know, the top six winger, they need a puck-moving defenseman on the left side to basically help Noah Dobson continue to develop as well. And I think he's going to be that guy that's going to be something. But, again, I'm not Lou Emeril. He likes to keep everything silent. We're, we're all going to find out the same way on social media through a beat writer. And we're going to be like, oh, my God, wow, what a great deal. And then we see who they gave up for, for said player. And it's like, all right, we'll see what happens. And then they start going off. But let's worry about that during the offseason as far as talent goes. Because you're right, Sean, you're right. You know, the, the, you got your 32, 33-year-old player. Yeah. And then you have your, you know, you really don't have anything outside of Beauvillier and Wallstrom and Bellows at that point. Everybody's at their 30s at this point in time. And the younger players, you know, they're far and few between at this point, along with Matthew Barzell, along with Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak and Noah Dobson. You know, everybody's over 30. So, Will, we're about to watch. Will, we're probably about to watch Devin Tays win uh, a Stanley Cup. And we had Devin Tays right here. Half issue, bro. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it like that. I understand that part, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like we, I know, right here. I know. And we're about to watch him probably win, uh, uh, probably win a cup. But well, listen, I get everything that you're saying, and I agree. Walsham got to step up. Keith Bellows has to a step they up. You got to get the opportunities, bro. You got the opportunities. opportunities. And hopefully, the new coach gives them that. Well, I think that's why Charles was let go. Well, because I think, you know, what I'm saying like I think that Lou is like, all right, well. I draft these guys and that's great. But if I don't play them, then what's the point? You know what I'm saying? Like I can't play these 30 somethings uh, uh, the whole time. Well, but 
well, I mean, well, like that's just how I feel. And I mean, I'm probably going to upset a lot of Islander fans. Well, when I say this, but hindsight is always 2020, obviously. Agreed. But Agreed. I, but I think because Barzell won Rookie of the Year. Well, I think that, for lack of a better term, jaded the Islanders front office a little bit because it's like, all right, well, his trajectory, he could traject to being the man of a team or whatever the case was. So it's like, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, bro, but maybe it's like, all right, well, not saying that they, that the loss of your boy, JT, was an underrated thing that they took for granted. Not saying that they did that. But I think Barzell having the great rookie year that he did, and it was obviously good. And then obviously us having the playoff success and him having playoff was successful. I think that kind of jaded the front office or the scouts a little, little bit. Think, all right, well, we have him. Let's just surround him. Well, maybe Barzell needs to be the player surrounding someone else. Maybe that's the issue. And I think it is. So, and, 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 and I mean, well, look, we've been to games and we've seen fans and heard fans argue on Twitter and Instagram and at games, Barzell this and Barzell that. Well, I'm starting to agree that maybe, just maybe, he could be the second best player on a good team, definitely a third. But, well, as your lead guy, as your lead guy, and I know this season, well, the 13 games in a row, I know that killed the whole year. That, well, that and COVID killed the whole year. Well, the Islanders didn't have a chance once those two things uh, took place. Well, but well, I'm starting to kind of veer towards the right. And I think, you know, keep Barzell, obviously, but we may need to get a star, quote unquote, in here and have Barzell feed off of him. Then instead of having guys like Sezikis and Brock feed off of him, maybe just maybe, bro. I think, I think, honestly, you know, I, I hear where you're coming from again. 100% I do, as far as them trying to get a superstar here. But the last time that they had a superstar here, he left on his own. And he dealt with all the losing. He, you know, he didn't have the patience to wait for a new building. But we're oh. not losing no more, Will. And that's, and, and that's a big key, bro. Like, we're I, actually good. Again, I understand that. I understand that 100%. But again, we look at the Islanders right now, and they'll always play second fiddle to the Rangers no matter what. They will always play second fiddle to Rangers, sure. no matter what, 100%. Last year, this team did not get any sort of – outside of social media, they didn't get the respect on the talk shows. They didn't get any of the respect on, on, any, on any national New York – it would be 10 seconds, and that would be it. And the only news outlet that they covered on – would be Newsday or News 12 and on social media with the blogs. But, I mean, having said that with Barzell, uh, you know, if you're talking about Jaded, you know, the kid did a lot his year. And that's nobody's fault where – I'm going to sound like a retard right now. Excuse me for saying that word. But when you have a head coach in Doug Wade that's all or nothing with an all or nothing style of offense – and you're giving up six goals, you're not going to win championships like that. And when Barry came here, you know, he turned the team around and he made them defensive first. And that they kind of, you know, led away from that whole, that whole offensive style and that offensive first mentality. 
And if you heard Lamarillo and if you heard Trotz, they didn't care about goal differential. They didn't care about outscoring their opponents by four or five goals. They cared about winning games 3-2, 2-1, or, you know, 1-0 in that span. So, I mean, having said that right now, this team's got to end. Having heard Lane Lambert talking about it in his press conference, Matthew Barzell is a huge piece of this team. Absolutely he is, and it depends, too, on what the Islanders do this offseason. I don't know what they're going to do this offseason. I don't know if they're going to sign Philip Forsberg. I don't know if they're going to sign Johnny Gautreaux. I don't know if they're going to trade for a guy like Kevin Fiala, Brock uh, Besser from Vancouver, or from uh, or the other guy, uh, Patrick Laine from Columbus. I don't know what's going to happen at that point. But, you know, what I do know is that Lou Rose has to make this first line better. And keep in mind, too, this is Matthew Barzell's last year on his contract before he hits free agency at that point. So, right, right. It should, it, it's going to be tough. We'll see what happens this year. Um, obviously, we heard, oh, I love it on Long Island, and then said player left to go back to Toronto. And he hasn't done anything up there since, except become the captain of that team. Your boy, well, your boy. So having said that, you know, we'll see what happens come come free agency and what they do with that first-round draft pick. But I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you at this point in time, Sean, outside of, yes, they do need younger pieces here. They do need a 27-, 28-year-old. But knowing Lou Amarillo, he wants to get a guy that's worn a C or had an A on his jersey looking for leadership. And trying to not break up the chemistry of that room where, you know, that those three Islander teams that made it to the playoffs uh, prior to this year, you know, they were special at that point. So, you know, see what happens come, come this off season. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you right now at this point, because you got the new, you got Lambert here. He's the same head coach. I'm just going to leave it like that. I know I'm rambling on, but he's, you know, almost a similar style to Trotz, but maybe he plays the younger kids here as opposed to, you know, having the veterans play all the time and trying to send the message out to the veterans saying, Hey, you guys need to step up and that's what they need. So we'll see what happens come this off season. And it's going to be tough. It is. I think we both agree that that's the direction they need to go or at least should investigate how they're going to go about it. I think that's that's the question, especially with a brand new coach, uh, like you said, Will. So yeah. we shall see, bro. Yeah. And then moving on from the Eastern Conference, I know we laid off the, the Rangers for a little bit, but we know what the Rangers have to do. They're going to probably come back firing in game four against Tampa, but Tampa, the experienced team that they are minus Braden point, they got to go out there and figure it out. Let's move on to the Western conference final. And that's happening right now. Um, yeah. The Oilers right now, they're not looking too good. They're down three games to none and they are down one, nothing right now in the uh, first intermission. So Sean, what's been your takeaway thus far of this series? Well, it should actually be 2-1 in Oilers. The Oilers, two of the shots went off the post <laughs> uh, in the first half. So the Oilers should actually be up. Well, kind of should be up right now. But, I mean, well, 
it's funny where we saw the you know i know obviously players have changed and stuff like that but where we saw this abs team play uh, three years ago and you know and the islanders were good and you know the islanders you know they were up the abs came back the islanders won it in overtime but well we both left that game saying this this yeah, this abs team if 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 they make you know such and such they're they're gonna be good well they're good they're great they're here mm-hmm. they have arrived you know what i'm saying and 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 and, and we, we knew you know what i'm saying like uh, like we saw it so well i'm not surprised that they're having playoff um success i'm really really not and um you know for them well it's almost been kind of easy for them nashville was easy the blues i think took them to six games which you know you give credit to the blues who won this who were the last stanley cup champion before tampa bay won it um back to back well um and then you know obviously you no know, up three games to none and leading one zip after the first intermission well against uh edmonton pal you know what i'm saying well this is a juggernaut of a team and they're led by a superstar nathan mckinnon and well we saw him play you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, th- uh, three years back, and we knew how special he was going to be. So, the fact that you know he's on the precipice of leading his team to an appearance in the Stanley Cup, world, you know what I'm saying? It it just goes to show you. And well, Joe uh, uh, Sackick running, you no know, coming back and overseeing the team and running the team, someone that won a cup there when he was there. Well, you know, it's whoever they play, the Rangers or Tampa. I think the Avs will be the favorite. I mean, maybe if they don't play Tampa, maybe Tampa will be the favorite because they've won it back to back. But I think they're definitely a favorite over the uh, Rangers. But well, it's come to the point where I'll be very surprised if Colorado doesn't win the cup. I'll be very, very surprised at this point. I think they're obviously better than Edmonton. I think they're better than the uh, Rangers. And I think, well, I think the only team that could have the chance to beat them is Tampa Bay just because Tampa Bay is just so goddamn talented. But I will I'll I'll be very surprised if in a couple weeks the Avs aren't hoisting the uh Stanley Cup out. Well we'll see what happens come two weeks from now. I'll give the Avalanche their due. They are a team that when they get down and they're down in the lead, they come back, they tie the game and they'll take the lead. They have that firepower to go out there starting with the McKinnon Rantanen and uh and Landis Cogline, and they play great together. They're, you know, Nathan McKinnon is a top three player in the league, right behind Dreisaitl and McDavid, bar none. You know, you want to throw them in the top five, you put Crosby and Matthews there too. Uh, absolutely great in what they do. Having said that now, um, you know, their, their defense – is good. Devon Taves, you mentioned Devon Taves earlier, great offensive piece, great offensive defenseman, two-way guy, can go out there and lead a power play. And that's something that the Islanders desperately miss. Um, you look at what Kale McCarr is doing, he's a top defenseman in the league. He is. He's a guy that you want to build around. And having said that, you know, you look at what the uh, what they've done, it's just absolutely great. You got Jack Johnson. He's been like a reclamation project almost in a sense, but he's been playing okay. Um, you know, you look at uh, you look at some of the other pieces there too that are in place. Uh, Nazem Kadri, before he got hurt yesterday or on Saturday, he was playing rather relatively well. Uh, you know, they have guys like Darren Helm from the Detroit Red Wings 
back in the day playing absolutely well as well. So, you know, this team is actually pretty good. Like you said, Sean, they have a great chance to win the Stanley Cup. But having said that, you know, their goaltending is such an issue right now at this point. We don't know what's going to happen with Darcy Kemper uh, when he comes back. He was an all-star goalie with the, uh, with the Arizona Coyotes, and then he got traded over to the Avalanche uh, because they lost out on Grubauer during the during the NHL expansion draft. Don't remind me about Josh Bailey or Jordan Everlay either. Yep, I know. <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> you know, could have been one of the other for the Islanders. But, you know, Kemper played absolutely well here in Colorado, and he got hurt, concussion. And now you're seeing this kid, Francu, play. Francus. He's playing absolutely unbelievable. And now you're getting to see what – what the Oilers, what the Oilers are having to deal with right now at this point in time. So, you know, Mike Smith, 40 year old goalie, a lot of people saying that he shouldn't be playing, but guess what? When you're a veteran and you're playing hot in some games, the way how he is, you know, that all goes, that goes on the defense somewhat as well. So they have to build up their line. They got to beef up their, their D a little bit here. And you cannot rely on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl so much. And I know what you said earlier about Evander Kane and what the Islanders needed with talent, all that. But, um, you know, you got to be happy for the guy in a sense where he's found his way. He's found his groove after what has happened. He's put the past behind him and he's trying to fight for to see another day at this point, albeit he got suspended. But prior to his suspension, he's been playing absolutely so well. So having said that right now, it's going to be an uphill battle for the Oilers. Maybe this might be it for the Oilers. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, it's been a fun ride if that's the case. And if this is it, the goaltending is number one, the number one priority for the Edmonton Oilers uh, come this offseason coming up. And, uh, you know, it's going to make an interesting Stanley Cup final if the Avalanche do close out here tonight or if they close out within the next couple of days, if this series does go five or even six for that matter. We know that Edmonton's a tough team, but uh, they got to figure it out sometime soon. So let's see what happens uh, with this game today. Yep, uh, yep. I uh, know um, we're both uh, locked in uh, watching now ones of Av. So see if the Oilers can uh, put together a couple good periods and you know, have the series shift back to Colorado or if the Avalanche are going to go back with the Western Conference uh, Championship, though. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Speaking of championships, the NBA Finals started up on Sunday and we have two original NBA 75 anniversary teams going in. First, you got the Boston Celtics. They started off their year cold, uh, not playing well, and then they found their way. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown uh, finding it. And Ime Udoka has played absolutely, you know, for a coach. He's been coaching very well, uh, given the team and the talent that has been on this roster, right? They beat up on the Nets. Then they go out there and they beat up on the Heat. And did they play the Sixers in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference, in the semifinals? No, the Sixers played the Heat. That's why you know your basketball, and I don't, and I haven't watched basketball in a long time. <laughs> but having said that, who did Boston play in the second round? Uh, the Bucs. They played the Bucs, and they eliminated the champion Bucs. There you go. See, that's where I am right now. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, they play the Bucks. They eliminate the champs. They eliminate the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals in seven games. Good, good seven-game series. Uh, Miami almost comes back, but you know we'll talk about the Jimmy Butler shot for another day. Uh, having said that. Boston, they were down against the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors had their time off against the Mavericks. Obviously, on paper, the the uh, the Warriors they had the better talent on paper, but it, you know, you look at it, it's even matched almost. And Boston came back and they won Game One, and then Game Two yesterday, a uh, complete rout, complete blowout by the Warriors. They weren't going to let this team come back in it. However, the Celtics they stole a game on the road. And now this is where things get interesting. Games three through four, right? Because now you have the 2-2-1-1-1 format right now. Let's see what happens come this, this, year, this, this game coming up, right? Let's see what happens. Sean, what's your takeaway on this NBA Finals thus far? A little bittersweet? Well, the, 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 the takeaway should be the Warriors should be up two games to none. That's my takeaway. Warriors completely blew. Uh, Thursday night, completely, completely blew. Uh, Thursday night, pal. But um, but I mean, yeah, you know, um, obviously they they won by nineteen last night, and well, you know, it's one of those things where you know Boston they've earned it, but they've also gotten uh lucky in a sense. The Brooklyn series, well, that sweep. I mean, the Nets had so much going on. You know, I don't even think that the Nets' minds were on basketball. Um, at at that point, the whole Ben Simmons drama, Kyrie, whatever the. And then you get to put the Bucs. Well, they played the Bucs. Let's not forget Chris Middleton. He didn't play. He was hurt. He didn't play. And the Bucs still brought it to seven games. That showed you the great, the greatness that Giannis has. And then against the Heat, well, that also went seven games. But, well, guess what? Tyler Hero, he didn't play the, the last four games because he got hurt. And Kyle Lowry was on one leg because of his hamstring. So, you know, you know, the last two series specifically, the Boston has it going up against you know, a full strength team. And now, um, and Golden State, well, you know, obviously, you know, they played uh, uh, the Nuggets in the first round, got past that. And then in the second round, I forgot who they beat in the second round. Well, I, I definitely apologize. Memphis, Memphis in the second round, they got past them in six. And then obviously, you know, taking out Dallas in five. Well, so, I mean, well, I think Golden State is destined. I think Wednesday's game three, they have to win game three. I think, well, I think the win of game three is going to win it. I think the win of game three is going to win the NBA uh, finals. But, um, you know, you can make a case both teams deserve to be here, but you can also make a case that both teams got lucky in a sense because they went up against opponents who weren't healthy and COVID, yada, yada, yada. So we shall see on that front. But, you know, it, it's... I'm glad the Warriors are back, Will, because people was hating on them so much. Oh, they're old, and Steph can't do it again, and Clay had two major injuries, and Draymond, and da da da, da and they're back. And then, well, it's good to see a, a a young superstar that Jason Tatum is becoming. I don't think he's a superstar yet. I think he's a star. I don't think he's a superstar yet, but Jason Tatum is coming. He's definitely coming. It's good to see Boston back. And well, I think this makes Adam Silver smart. I mean. Well, I mean, let's be honest, right? If the NBA Finals is ever Sacramento versus Cleveland, <laughs> I think Adam Silver's going to go crazy. Maybe he'll like it because those two uh, um, uh, markets would have uh, prime time, but 
I think every sport likes when either their original teams or the classic teams get into the Super Bowl. Like, well, like, could you imagine a Pittsburgh Steelers, Chicago Bears, the Super Bowl? The NFL would go crazy because of the history of those two teams. So I think the Warriors, Celtics, um, NBA um, uh, finals, I think Adam Silver couldn't be happier with the result of that. So, well, we shall see what happens Wednesday and then uh, Friday night. But um, I'm expecting a – I had Warriors in six, and I'm going to stick to that. But I think they have to win game three. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins Wednesday night, I think, is going to win it, Will. Yeah, I think uh, Warriors in six, too. I think they're just too talented. I think uh, even though Boston's a young and hungrier team and they did steal it on the road, uh, game one, I think this is a team that just has too much pedigree. And the younger the younger pieces in place, too, are going to step up. Guys like Andrew Wiggins and uh, the other kid that they drafted, number two uh, overall, Wiseman, right? Poole. Uh, Wiseman is hurt. Oh, Wiseman's hurt. Never mind. See, again, that's how much Jordan I know. Jordan Poole, we mean. No, no, I got what you're saying. That's how much I know. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Himself a nice, crazy half-court shot the other day. Yes. On his way. But I think those younger pieces are going to carry the older veterans uh, at that point. But the vets are going to step up. Curry, Draymond, Draymond's a dick. Whatever it is, what it is. Uh, you know, I don't like the guy personally. And, uh, you know, you look at Clay Thompson, he's back. So I'm sure they're rotating him and Wiggins out there too. So good for them. Um, but, yeah, Warriors in six, I, I feel. Can't root for the Celtics as I'm a Laker fan, but you know it's it's a worst case scenario seeing both these teams playing. So, uh, yeah, right, exactly. It's a worst case scenario. Yeah. Well, before we go, mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on Darvin Ham, my friend, new Lakers coach? It looks like he's a no nonsense guy. I don't know if he's going to have that approach with LeBron and Russ, but what's your take, bro? He's another puppet. He's another puppet. Same thing with with. I can't believe. I can't believe Rasheed Wallace is on this staff, even though, they, even stuff, even yeah. though they were both friends and stuff, and they won that championship back in 2004 uh, with the Pistons. I just I can't believe Rasheed Wallace is a part of the Lakers staff. It's like one of those things, like, I grew up hating this guy. I legitimately <laughs> grew up hating this guy. Like, he was – forget Manny Ramirez. Forget David Ortiz. I love David Ortiz now. Um, you know, and I've, I've listened to Rasheed Wallace talk, and – I appreciate him as a basketball mind and what he brings to the table. But growing up, man, 22 years ago when he was playing for Portland, I had, I didn't like him at all. I didn't like his antics. I didn't like the technical fouls. I didn't like his loud mouth, you know, ability. I didn't like, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I liked a guy like Kobe that was no nonsense guy like that, but let's not make it about Rasheed Wallace right now. Let's make it about Darvin Ham. Uh, I still can't believe Rasheed Wallace is a Laker. <laughs> but having said that, though, moving away from that, if Darvin Ham can go out there and implement his system, his style of play, whatever his style of play is, whether it be a defensive first structure like Frank Vogel was, or being, uh, you know, just a, a a two-way type of game where you focus in on the offense and the defense will come, or the defense comes first and the offense will come vice versa. So hopefully uh, he's a guy that could go out there and deal with the personality of LeBron. Obviously I think LeBron to me, he's going to see how this Laker offseason 
develops. And I personally don't, I don't see this guy getting traded, although you could get a lot back and you try and build back. You talk about talent but with the Islanders. Lakers need just as much talent and talent on team-friendly deals and on fairly rookie deals at this point in time. So, uh, you know, while Anthony Davis is still the top player in the league, he's a guy that gets hurt all, almost all the time. He's made out of glass. Russell Westbrook, heard Darvin Ham call him one of the greatest of all time, which he is, no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, I am not one of those guys that's going to want Russell Westbrook on my team. Just not. He's not what he was at that point. And some of the shots that he's put up there over the course of time, you know, he's not, he's not what he was bottom line. And uh, you know, Darvin Ham's got a lot of work cut out for him. And it all depends too on what, uh, what the Laker management wants to do here at this point. Are you going to want to get one-year deals? Are you going to handcuff Darvin Ham uh, with those guys that are on one-year deals that are limited at that point? Or are you going to get here, uh, you know, younger, younger guys, which is what they need. So we shall see what happens uh, with this Laker offseason, but it should be one filled with fireworks and a lot of hype around LeBron too. And of course, with him being the billionaire that he is now, I think there might be, this is a little conspiracy theory that I got. I don't have tinfoil here. I could see him go in the golden state strictly not because of the not because of the team per se more so the fact that because he's a billionaire athlete and the way how social media is he's going to go out there and he's going to be that guy that's going to probably make the next great social media marketing app at that point same thing with Aaron Judge I think Aaron Judge goes to San Francisco I think both of them are going to come together and they're going to make something pretty, pretty great. Mark my words right there. LeBron and Aaron Judge to the Silicon Valley. That's just me. But we'll see. Hot take. Hot take. No, no, no. I mean, listen, it makes sense. I know well, all these athletes trying to, you know, have a brand outside of the sport. So it definitely makes sense. I definitely could see LeBron uh, doing that. I definitely can. You know, when you have a billion bucks, you can, you know, create shit or have ownership of certain things. So yep. definitely see it. So. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think, oh, what a goal. I think Mark Van Ham, the 1-1 Oilers and Avs. Um, I think, well, I think Darvin Ham is going to be fine. I just think it depends on the roster. And, well, I think they should give Darvin, I think Darvin Ham needs to be given control of it. Like, let him decide who he wants. He has his big three. Ross isn't going anywhere. AD isn't going everywhere. LeBron isn't going anywhere. It's the pieces around them. Let Darvin Ham and the relationships he has with players on other teams and on the Bucks, whatever, have him choose who he wants and construct the team. Because, well, I know the greatness of LeBron and I know the greatness of AD when he's healthy. Russell Westbrook, if he's not Russell Westbrook, the Lakers aren't going anywhere. So I think you need to surround players with, you know, because, because well, LeBron and AD could play with anybody. They play with anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, you could put LeBron on the Kings and and they'll win. I mean, anybody. Russell, you cannot play with anybody. That's why people tend to leave him. Kevin Durant left him. James Harden uh, left him too. So, 
Um, yeah, well, you know, it, it, it just depends. It just depends on the roster. And um, yeah, if they construct a good one, great. If not, then but this time next year, we'll probably have another playoff in the Lakers on their will. So we shall see. Yeah, we shall see indeed, man. We shall see indeed. All right. On that note, we talked NBA Finals. We talked Lakers. We talked playoffs in hockey. We talked a lot about baseball in depth, about the Yankees and the Mets. Sean, any final thoughts on this episode? But Well, no final thoughts. Got to be doing a show with you again. And, um, yeah, I mean, well, you know, we're entering – well, like these are the sad days of sports because we know in a couple weeks basketball's over, in a couple weeks hockey's over, and we got and we got baseball for two months before football starts. So it's like now it's like the dead period on the calendar in terms of sports. So you know, just soaking up what's left of hockey, soaking up what's left of basketball. But well, the good news is your team is in first place, my team is in first place, and it looks like we're going to have a summer filled with you know excitement and seeing both teams could hold on and get that by. Well, well, the Yankees have it. The Mets don't as of now. But seeing if, you know, they could get that by and we'll just go from, just uh, uh, go from there, man. So mm-hmm. we'll see how the rest of the summer goes, bro. Yeah, we'll definitely see how it all goes, man. And it is sad. You're right on what happens uh, during these times. Obviously, championships uh, are decided right now. Seasons are decided and we will see what goes on. And no final thoughts here. Just, you know. Just great talking to you again. And obviously we should do this every week and, you know, let's make this happen, but. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. From everybody here from the On the Board Sports Podcast, for Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Shawnee on the mic, you can follow him on Instagram and on Twitter at Shawnee on the mic. And follow On the Board Sports as well on Instagram and Twitter. I am your host, William Trucci, a.k.a. Will Trucci on Twitter, a.k.a. Will C., We'll talk to you guys soon. Stay safe out there. Stay hydrated. It's getting hotter out as the months come come coming towards the dog days of summer. I'm Will Trucci logging out. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out. Stay safe wherever you may be.